You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. The Mile High Report radio podcast is back, and we are going to discuss actual football that took place on the field. And we're pretty excited about it, I guess, except for um, Ian is going to, to come in here, and he's going he's gonna to sort of calm everybody down. He's going to remind us of a few things, such as it's, it's just preseason, and it was just the first preseason game. But uh, it, th- there are definitely some things that we can we can certainly dig into and, and and take away from what happened. But but before we do that, Ian, go ahead, cal- calm us down, break it break it down for us. The first preseason game, and by all accounts, Benjamin Albright tweeted out that they didn't even game plan for this game, so it was just a glorified practice that took place at the stadium. That's how much they put into this preseason game against the Vikings. Now, there are definitely some things that stand out. And I think one of the main things is look at the difference in execution from the Vikings starters and the lack of execution from the Broncos starters. And I don't know what you can connect that to. I think the big one is coaching because as anyone who has listened to this podcast for, I don't know, the last nine months, the biggest concern about this team was Vance Joseph. And if you had a concern coming into the first preseason game, He definitely didn't do anything to alleviate your concerns. Yeah, still, still concerned. Um, How do how do I feel about Vance Joseph now compared to before the game? The same. There is no change in that. He is the biggest question mark for the team. I think you're absolutely right. And you know, I tweeted it out, and tons of people were were all over it on social media about you know, did he learn anything from last year? Has he improved at all? And to be quite honest, it didn't look like he has. You brought up a really good point, and I wanted to talk about it. Um, you talk about not game planning. That's that's one thing. That's fine. But you talked to, to me before we started about the fact that he um, had no idea that Brandon Marshall and Demarius Thomas were not going to go out on the field for the national anthem. And Von Miller had no idea that he wasn't going to play in the game. Now, as far as Von Miller goes, he, he said – not Von Miller, but Vance Joseph. He said to the press in the practice the day before, Von Miller's going to play. He will play. And then he didn't play. So I don't know if something if something caused him to change his mind or if Vance Joseph was trying to do his best Bill Belichick impression and trick the media. I'm not sure. But the only person who really mattered in that equation that should have known what was going on is Von Miller, and he didn't. And at the end of the day, that one probably doesn't matter too much. But the idea that he doesn't know what his players are doing, he doesn't have a feel for what's going on in the locker room, that bothers me. That That's an issue I have with him because he was hired as the player's coach, right? 
he was going to come in and he was going to connect with the players. He was going to be the opposite of John Fox. He was going to be the sort of the antithesis of what Gary Kubiak was when it came to his connection to the players. And it, it seems to me what you see after that first preseason game is a coach that still has no idea what's going on in his own locker room and has no connection to his players. And then the other one I wanted to bring up with you, and I want to get your sort of your your take on it. One of the things he said uh, about the Broncos starting slow, and it really bothered me. And the Broncos actually tweeted this out. It was on one of it was a one of the memes that they've been creating on DenverBroncos.com, their Twitter feed. And he tweeted out, or they tweeted it out as this quote that seemed like a good quote to me. It seemed awful, and I'm going to paraphrase it because I didn't pull it up or anything, but. He essentially said, the coaches are ready. The coaches are, are good to go. It's on the players to, to start fast. That the players are the ones that have to take responsibility for a quick start, and that the coaches aren't responsible for that at all. And I, I take issue with that a little bit, just because I feel like it's the coach's job to prepare the players to start fast. Now, I, I don't know how you feel about that, Ian, but that quote really bothered me, and the Denver Broncos tweeted it out like it was some amazing quote. Like it was this, yeah, Vance Joseph is ready. He's ready to do what? He's not doing anything, apparently. Well, remember to the the phrase that was thrown around when he was hired. And it's it's kind of died off a little bit because of the that first year going five and eleven. He was talked up as being a leader of men. And if you're a leader of men, you know if two of your leaders aren't going to go out for the national anthem. You would at least know that. As a head coach, you would know that. And the fact that he doesn't know that is a pretty big indictment. And the whole, the coaches are ready. It certainly didn't seem like they were ready last night. No, I mean, I... I Think about Trevor Simeon, that long touchdown pass that on a screen pass he threw. Because they were blitzing. You call a blitz in a preseason game, the first one, and you get shown up with a screen pass by Trevor Simeon. Ugly. If the coaches are ready, I want to look like I want to see what it looks like when they're not ready. Yeah, if that was ready, what are we in for if they start to really slip and they're and they're never actually ready? That that to me is insane. And I, I think the other thing we should state here is we're we're not making this an indictment of players not coming out for the national anthem or taking a knee or raising a fist or whatever. I, I saw somebody else, uh, you know, complain about you know Ron Larry was out there with his fist raised during the national anthem. I don't care. I don't care what players do during the national anthem. The way that you proceed to show your patriotism is, is the way you do that. I, that's not my job. That's not my department, right? This is about football. And that's the point that you're making there. He didn't know that his, that two of the leaders on his team were taking a stand during the national anthem by not going out onto the field. That's something you should know as a head coach, you should have an idea of what's going on with your players. You should have a feel for what's happening out there. And he doesn't. And, and it's apparent I think that quote that I that I talked to you about, I guess I can't call it a quote, but that paraphrasing of what he said and the fact that he didn't know those things and didn't communicate with Von Miller that he wasn't going to be playing and, and this idea that, oh, we're ready, but the players aren't. Well, who's you're telling me it's the player's job to get ready? Well, then what what's your job? Then why are you here? 
You know, we, we remember we we had the joke uh, about Rick Dennison. What is Rick Dennison's job for the Denver Broncos? Because nobody knew when he was the offensive coordinator. What is Vance Joseph's job? What what is Vance Joseph's job for the Denver Broncos if it's not to prepare this team? And I, I, we're ranting about the first preseason game, and that feels a little weird, but it's indicative of what this particular coaching staff with Vance Joseph at the head has looked looked like from the moment he took over. And there are some things that you that, that have to be mentioned when you talk about the first team offense and defense because in the winners and losers uh, story that I put together, one of the losers was the first team offense and first team defense and deservedly. So the, the, the Vikings marched up and down the field on uh, two straight possessions against the first team defense. The run defense was horrible. Now, granted Von Miller wasn't on the left side of the defense. He is a very good run stopper. And Todd Davis wasn't in the game. And then offensively, you're missing potentially your best offensive lineman in Ronald Leary. When you have a turnstile for a guard in Max Garcia, which is an insult to turnstiles. Yeah, what did they do to you? Ian obviously, got stuck in a turnstile at Elish Gardens once, and just so you're aware... He's really mad at them still about that. Still. <laughs> you you just plopped that out there and I expected did. it to and perform. And I think it performed quite well, to be honest. That was a good joke. Which Eliches was it? Was it the original one no, or was original it the Elich. Oh, original Eliches before it got all, you know, great America y on us. Back in the old school before it moved. You know what I'm talking about. That place oh, yeah. was, went there a few times. Absolutely. But Ronald Leary not being next to Garrett Bowles is gonna it's gonna have an impact. And I I mean if you want to try to to judge an offense with Case Keenum when he throws the ball four times, good on you. I, I'm not gonna do anything with it, especially if they didn't game plan. And you have to take into account that the Vikings had the best defense in football last year, and they still have all those pieces still on the defense. So that's a good Vikings team. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a okay very good that. Vikings. It's a very team. good Vikings team. The, I don't think either one of us is really upset about the the way that the first team played or the way that the you know offense or defense played. It was disappointing to see, especially after some of the some of the highs that you got from just listening to Orange and Blue 760 when we have our Slack listening parties and what's going on at um, training camp. But you know, like you said, first preseason game, they didn't game plan for Minnesota, and Minnesota's a good team. Whatever, I don't care. I don't care that they lost. I, I'm not going to get overly worked up about it. Now, what I will say is. When you get to the second preseason game, if that's the way that they look, now you need to start being concerned. But, but as of right now, I think we can hold off on that. Um, the thing that was so that that stood out and made it such a one eighty, at least for me, is that's not how they looked in practice. The offense and the defense were executing; they they were sharp in practice. So to come out and be that that to, to put forth that kind of lack of execution. And to just not look prepared, and I and I think not having a game plan could play a role in that. But that's what that that's what made it alarming 
at least for me. And it's something to keep an eye on going forward to see if the coaches, if they are ready, notice that and get it fixed. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And and again, that's what, what goes into watching the second preseason game, right? You, uh, you play the Bears on Saturday and, and you see what happens. And you hope that um, Vance Joseph is able to uh, take control of the team and not have to say things like, well, the coaches are ready. It's the player's responsibility to get ready. Like, I'm not sure what we're doing with that. I may, I may be hanging on to that a little too much. Um, we didn't talk about this before the, in the uh, pre-show fist fight, but um, I wanted to talk a little bit about Isaiah McKenzie just to mention that I thought he froze. So, and I'm being dead honest with you on this. When he caught that punt, it, it took me back to watching him for the, that first like second or two. took me back to that old LeBron James commercial when he first came into the NBA and they start the game and LeBron just stands there with the ball in his hand for a while and everyone's just watching. You remember that commercial? Oh, yeah. That's what that felt like to me for about two seconds. And then he took off and it was like, wait a minute, what just happened? Like, I thought he was so surprised he caught the ball. He didn't know what he was supposed to do. Burn. <laughs> Which is what he did to Minnesota's defense. So it was cool to see. I, I thought it I thought it was, in terms of the struggles that he had a season ago and with everybody riling on him, I thought it was cool to see because it, it shows that he hasn't given up, unlike a certain quarterback who was drafted in the first round. But we can get into that. Isaiah McKenzie didn't let the talk get him down. It motivated him. He put in the work. Whether or not that alleviates the concerns some people probably still have, we'll see. But it was it, it, it was a nice moment to see a young player who struggled have some success because that will build his confidence. It will show him that, hey, I can do this. If I continue to put in the work and I continue to work hard and I don't let those struggles get me down, if I don't listen to the naysayers, I can be successful and I can be damn good at it because that was an impressive punt return for a touchdown. Obviously, the other pieces had to had to roll into place. Brendan Langley threw an incredible block. Will Parks and the other the, the, uh, the other guys didn't give up on their blocks. But Isaiah McKenzie made that happen with the way that he was able to catch the ball, but set it up and be patient. It was so it 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 really was fun to see that unfold. It was nice to see a little redemption there for him. And and as one of the people who I guarantee tweeted out and shouted at the TV, this guy needs to be out of the NFL. I was rooting for him, and and was glad to see that happen because you want to see a guy take sort of take his lumps like he did and then like you said turn that into a positive and and keep fighting and keep going and really it was it was an expertly executed punt return on his part it was Devin Hester-esque and I will um I will I I loved watching Devin Hester return kicks and when I first moved to the Chicagoland area that was when Devin Hester was was in his prime I I was at the Broncos game in Chicago when he returned uh, every single kick that Mike Shanahan continued to kick to him for touchdowns. It was um, terrible and impressive. But the one thing that Devin Hester always did that I just thought was amazing was it was one move and go. He would set up the blocks by shifting his his, his direction to one way 
and then it was a cut and go. It was almost like watching Terrell Davis run the football, right? It was that one cut and go. That's what Devin Hester did, and then that's what Isaiah McKenzie did, and it took him longer than you would have expected. He definitely waited. He caught the ball. He let things play out. He made his cut, and then he was gone. But it was it was fun to watch. That was that might have been the highlight of the game if it hadn't have been for some other things that happened later on. And I also like that what you did with that is you 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 made mention of a player without making mention of him. I'm going to go ahead and mention him, and, and it's Paxton Lynch. Um, he sort of was in the same boat as Isaiah McKenzie coming into this season when it comes to the way that people talk about him, the the discussions that are had regarding him. He's he's a bust at this point. I'm just gonna I'm gonna use the word bust right now. We're three years into his career and. He has looked terrible ever since he seemed to be the quarterback that earned the starting job in 2016. He's regressed so much that he should not be a Denver Bronco anymore. And he did not do what Isaiah McKenzie did. He did not redeem himself. He did not come out and look better than he did last year. He came out and looked worse. And to me, that's disappointing as somebody who had high hopes for him and kind of uh, was was willing to sort of go through the, the the arguments to say, hey, this guy deserves a chance. I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm completely off of Paxton Lynch, and, and I'm ready to just see him be uh, sent on his way. The thing that, that bothers me as a competitor is he, sh- he should have been named the starter in 2016. They should have given him the keys and let him drive. Two years later, the reason they went with with Trevor Simeon over Paxton Lynch is why there's a Case Keenum. But you would think being in that situation where he was clearly the best quarterback on the field in 2016 and he didn't get the job, he wasn't named the starter, you would think that would have motivated him to come out and be even better the next offseason to prove that they made a mistake, to prove that, no, you didn't get it right, and I'm going to prove that you didn't get it right. He didn't do that. He didn't do it this offseason. So what kind of a competitor is he? And what kind of mental makeup does he have? And for all those people who make the excuse like, well, it's just all the hate. It's all the hate. Oh, boo, freaking who? John Elway took a team that had no business going to a Super Bowl three out of four years, and people said he still couldn't play quarterback. That's all the hate. It was all the hate, Ian, all the hate he dealt with. I And if you're that mentally weak, that you can't deal with naysayers, that you can't deal with people questioning you, why are you a quarterback? Because it's going to happen regardless of the amount of success you have on the field. Prime example, John Elway. So, yes, he should have been the starter in 2016. His rookie season, he should have been the starter. He wasn't. The last two seasons, he's done nothing to show that they got it wrong. And at this point, cut bait, admit the mistake, move on. 
Yeah. I, I mean, think- I, I get, I get the cap hit, but at this point, the season is, is you're going on. So you're going to have to pay the dead money regardless if you keep him or release him. And at this point they just need to release him, sign a veteran, trade for a veteran, let Chad Kelly get reps with the twos, see what he can do in practice against the twos. And then in the, in the preseason game next Saturday against the bears, see what he can do, but he's not ready to be a backup quarterback. Don't let the latest shiny toy in Broncos country divert your attention. He's Zach Dysart. He's Bradley Van Pelt. He's Brand Statter. He's Trevor Simeon. He's Kyle Sloter. Oh, by the way, Kyle Sloter played pretty well. Did it against third stringers. He still hasn't done anything on a football field against second stringers. <laughs> Did you? I, I'm just curious. I'm sure you saw it. Did you see my tweet about uh, the uh, Chad Kelly Kyle Sloter matchup was was shaping up to be? Uh, it was uh, shades of of Elway Montana. On that Monday night game, I've just, <laughs> we're back and forth in that fourth quarter for a few series. That was interesting. That was fun. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna backtrack my hate of Chad Kelly a little bit. It's not really hate, but I think that we have often been harsh on him. Uh, as I haven't. Player. I haven't said anything. I said because with what we dealt with with Trevor Simeon, I was not going to make any bold proclamations or statements, and I have steadfast with that. No, no, you've been good at it. I've just always said he's a se- he was a seventh round pick for a reason, and so I will I will backtrack on that a little bit and say, okay, he's got a little potential, and maybe maybe he can develop into a, a solid backup quarterback in the NFL. He's he's got potential, but I'm not going to get too carried away after one preseason game. Like there are people out there anointing him, Pete, the uh, heir apparent to Peyton Manning at this point which is sort of ridiculous. So it's better if we let's, – let's reserve judgment. He played well. Okay, He went out and he played well, and he also played horribly. I mean, that's, that's the other aspect of this. Don't put the blinders on because you were so excited about his touchdown pass to Phillip Lindsay, which was great. Led the team down, takes a huge hit on third and 11, but still hits his receiver, and Phillip Lindsay runs a nice route and scores a touchdown. It was great. Fun for Colorado fans all over because, yay – you know, the, the feel-good story, seventh-round draft pick through a touchdown pass to the undrafted free agent out of Colorado who grew up in Colorado. Feel-good story. Great. Let's not get carried away because he also threw a terrible interception where he stared down his receiver to the point where when they did the replay on the telecast, Brian Greasy and Steve Levy both were talking about how he snapped the ball or he gets the snap and immediately turns and looks at his receiver Everybody in the stadium knew where he was going to throw the football. So, of course, that was intercepted. And don't make excuses for him and say, well, if he had thrown it here or the receiver was open one second earlier, it doesn't matter. He's the one who made the mistake, stared down his receiver, threw it when when he wasn't open. So there's your incredible highs, your horrible lows, your vomit-inducing sort of stomach-churning drops that you get from him. Let's see where this goes. Get on the ride. I'm, let's, let's jump on the roller coaster. Let's see where it goes. But let's see where it goes. Don't start handing things to him, especially since you were probably the same people out there who were not willing to hand Paxton Lynch anything. Don't hand it to him, but let's see where it goes. Let's watch. It's going to be fun, right? It's preseason. I guarantee Chad Kelly will make this preseason entertaining, if nothing else. I go back to the quarterbacks I mentioned earlier. 
it's the latest shiny toy for this fan base to get excited about. Well, after Brand five Statter, and eleven, after Bradley Van Pelt, Zach Dysart, yeah. Trevor Simeon, after five Kyle Sloter. It, 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 I, I mean, I, I get it, but it, it, it gets give, so old. Us, he hasn't even. He hasn't taken a freaking snap in practice against the number two defense. Can we at least see what he looks like against people who will still be in the league before we start? Yes, I think, but I think that's the point. Now he, he went out and proved that he deserves that shot. That's the point. He went out and proved, unlike what Paxton Lynch did, and I think that's sort of the, the reason you get this. The juxtaposition there is Paxton Lynch went out against the twos and did nothing and was was horrible. Chad Chad Kelly, excuse me, went out against the threes and fours and guys who won't be in the NFL in a week and a half or two weeks and performed pretty well. So in my mind, what that means is he's earned the opportunity to see if he can actually accomplish anything against the twos. So put him in with the twos. Let's see what happens. It not, it can't hurt anything. And, exactly. And and that's I think the, the main point here. It's not going to hurt anything to let him give it a go, but he's also not—he's not taking over the starting role, and I'm not comfortable with him as the number two backup going into the season. I don't see him. Oh hell no, hell no. I don't see him Bubby Bristering things. You know what I'm saying? Where he can jump in for three or four games and carry the load for a team that talent-wise really probably should go ten and six. But if Case Keenum goes down, you're looking at a, a, a three and thirteen season. As I tweeted, after an offense that has been so derp and derpy the last two seasons, it, it was fun to see an offense have some swag. It was cool to see a quarterback have some swag. It was fun. It absolutely was fun, and he absolutely earned the right. I, I think more so because of what Paxton Lynch didn't do. Right. It was more. It was more of that having Chad Kelly earn the right to play with the number twos than anything he did, because I, I think it, 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 he played like the typical gunslinger. He's not going to care about the mistakes he makes. He's just going to go out and sling it, and that's fine. It's fun, but it's going to cost you. And he's going to have to learn. And the only way to learn is to play. And he is—he needs to get, this week, he needs to get reps against the number two defense. When the Bears come to town, he needs to get reps against their, their number two defense. And then he needs to be the number two quarterback on Saturday against the Bears. Paxton Lynch shouldn't play. He shouldn't even suit up. There should be no reason for Paxton Lynch to even put on a uniform. And then after that game, they need to go out and they need to get a veteran quarterback because Chad Kelly cannot be the backup quarterback. I, As I said on Orange and Blue 760, on, on the first and 10 at 10 with Ryan Edwards, Andrew Mason, and Steve Atwater, they asked me, it was, it was actually Mace who asked, how, how I feel about the quarterbacks. And I, and I gave him the safe answer, but it was the honest answer. It was, I want to see what they look like in the games. And after the first game, we don't need to see any more Paxton Lynch ever again in a Broncos uniform. He shouldn't even suit up. I will say it again. He should not even be in a uniform come Saturday against the Bears. 
Chad Kelly should be the number two quarterback and he should play the entire game after Case Keenum goes out. But after that happens, they need to get a veteran quarterback to be the backup to Case Keenum. Yeah, I like that plan. I, li- I like the idea of, of saying to Chad Kelly, all right, you, you earned this opportunity. Here's the team. We're gonna, Case, Case is going to play four series. He's going to play the first quarter. Maybe first quarter and a half, considering how lackluster they looked uh, against the Vikings. And then after that, go for it, Chad. Get out there. Let's see what happens. And I think it's important to, as fans that we sit back and we and we take that for what it is. And what it is is a player who has zero real game experience other than what he did against the Vikings in the NFL. And we sit back and we watch. And we see where it goes. And that's really what... That's really all you can do as a fan anyway. And so there's there's no reason not to sit back and do that. But we've seen Paxton Lynch for three years. We've seen enough. And, and you're right. And it's interesting. I, 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 as the sort of the, as the educator, I look at what happened to him and I wonder, would he have been able to find success had they not completely destroyed his confidence? But I also look at that and I, I know... If that's what destroyed your confidence as a as a player in the NFL, you don't belong in the NFL. I'm sure Paxton Lynch is a really nice guy. I bet he's a lot of fun to play Fortnite with. But this in Fortnite, and it's time to it's time to grow up. And I think that that's the other issue with him. He's 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 got a five cent head. Doesn't take it seriously. Thinks he can live on his natural ability. Not in the NFL. Not in the NFL. So, adios is fine with me. It's time for him to move on. I hope he finds success somewhere else, but it's not going to be with Denver. I think that's really the key there. He will not find success with Denver. So, cut bait. Move on. Bring in a veteran quarterback. While also continually develop Chad Kelly. Yes. Give him reps with the twos throughout the course of the week because a veteran doesn't need that. He doesn't need it in practice. Give him occasional reps with the ones for Case Keenum, but give the majority of that to Chad Kelly to let him continually develop and get better, which is what they didn't do with Paxton Lynch, but that's a whole different story. I think the other two, th- the other thing that, that stands out to me is, and it, and it is, I think it's, it's the story of camp and it's the story of that first preseason game is Royce Freeman is your starting running back. Devontae Booker only got two carries. It was enough to see of Devontae Booker. He runs and plays like the same running back who doesn't trust himself, lacks vision, dances around. While Royce Freeman, there were some times that he was a little hesitant, but for the most part, he's a he's a, a one-cut runner, has great vision, and trusts himself. Yeah. And it's and it's it, it's what he's shown. Over the course of training camp, he carried it over to the first game, and that's what you want to see from a rookie. He took, he did, he um, he took over that spot pretty handily. You you know, going into the season, that Royce Freeman is is the main back in Denver. I, I, I'm not sure that they'll cut Booker. I, I don't know. I I can't really say, having watched the one preseason game, that he's completely fallen out of their good graces, but. He's not necessary. And I think that's another thing that happens to football players in the NFL is you become unnecessary at a certain point. 
your skills are not needed or lack of skills in this particular case. And they've got guys on the roster that seem to be able to do just as well, if not better, than Booker. And his experience doesn't really do him any 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 favors. Nobody cares about his experience. So I'm fine with them saying, you know, let's cut Booker and let's roll with this, this group of running backs that we have. I, I mean, they look like a, a group of, of running backs that can be successful. Uh, Royce Freeman is certainly the guy who is going to have the most success in this offense. And that should be exciting for Bronco fans. We should be excited about Royce Freeman. Oh, absolutely. I'm excited. So, I was excited the first carry I saw from him at training camp because I saw that Terrell Davis-esque running style where it's it's one cut, trust your vision, and go. And you've got uh, Henderson looked good. You've uh, Dave Williams looked good. Philip Lindsay catches a touchdown pass, looked good. I, I mean, they didn't look great. There was nothing about the Broncos' offense that made you go, ooh, that was amazing. But there were moments. There were flashes. There were instances. And the running backs were like that. I was a little disappointed, I will say this, that there wasn't much from the wide receiver core. I think having paid attention to training camp, we were all probably hoping to see some sort of back shoulder, toe-tapping grab by Cortland Sutton in the back of the end zone from 60 yards out on some bomb or whatever. We didn't see that. Uh, you know, we, we saw one catch by Demarius Thomas and then that was pretty much it. That was the first team offense right there. I will say I, I, I liked that catch because it showed a healthy Demarius Thomas. I, I don't know if he would have been able to do what he did with that initial burst after he caught the pass. If he could have done that the last two years, because keep in mind, I, I don't know how many people know he, he played with a torn labrum last year. That's a, I, that's a tough so, injury. Especially for a receiver. Yeah, that's a hard one to play with. You know, he gets, and, and we've talked about this, we've, we've pounded this into the ground, but he gets sort of the most hate uh, for the least amount of issues, right? He's, he's a good guy who doesn't get into trouble, doesn't really ruffle anybody's feathers, makes some really good plays, is one of the best receivers in the NFL, and there are Bronco fans out there that just hate him. They just hate him. And I I always sort of just shake my head at that. I mean, the guy dropped a few passes. I understand, but this is he's – he's a stud, and we're going to get to see a healthy Demarius Thomas this year. As a fan, I'm, I'm excited about that. And you saw a glimpse of that, even if it was just one pass, you saw a glimpse of it, but it's what he's been doing in in training camp with Case Keenum too. And then there's two other players I think we need to mention. Obviously, Marquette King got way more of a work, got way more work than he probably thought he would. I want to see him, but I don't want to see him that much. And then the other one was Jeff Holland. That sack that he got. That was nice. It was nice. It was nice. Pretty, 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 pretty pretty good. good. It was noise, as the young kids are not saying anymore, because us old folks have taken it over. It was noise. So uh, to see, to to have a Jeff Holland on top of Von Miller and Bradley Chubb and Shaquille Barrett and Shane Ray, maybe. Maybe. Let's not. Let's save Shane Ray for another day because that guy, 
just I mean, come on. You know what it was 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 fun in that goal line stand where they gave up the touchdown uh, in that first that first drive in Minnesota. I know they gave up the touchdown, but Bradley Chubb in on the stop at the goal line, yes. shutting it down. So everybody's excited about his pass rush ability and how effective he can be paired with Von Miller in that aspect. And he went out and actually showed that he's got potential to be a good run stopper as well. And that was a big moment. And it's too bad it didn't culminate in you know a three and out field goal. But to see him step up into that gap and and close things off and and put the brakes on there, that was impressive. I really like to see that from him. And it shows that he's more than just a one-trick pony. The thing I liked about it was earlier in that sequence, he got burned on a, on a big run play because he, he was on the left side of the line and he didn't step into the gap the way that he did on that goal line situation. So it was cool to see that he was able to have that. Yeah. He was able to adjust. That's, that's the right word. And I think the, the other aspect I want to touch on is how good the special teams looked. And a large part of that is because of Tom McMahon, the new special teams coordinator. He didn't need 22 Janos. No, no, you know, and, to be able to put together a special teams unit that doesn't require 22 Janos, that, that deserves a, some praise. Absolutely. Was Jano even out there? <laughs> I saw him line up at fullback a couple of times, he did. but Actually, he, he, he did. really and didn't. I don't know if he did anything or not. I mean, he but... threw some blocks. I remember he, he had some nice blocks. He was out there. He did fine. I'm, let's, not, let's not hate on Janovich. He didn't do anything wrong. It's not, it's not like he puts the ball on the ground. He never has the ball. And the one time he had it, he scored a touchdown. So, you know, it's fine. We're all fine. We're fine here. So what needs to, to happen for this team over the next week? Because they're going to have the Bears come in. They're going to have some joint practices. And then they'll have the second preseason game on Saturday. What do you want to see from this team hear about this team over the course of this week of practice because camp will basically end on Wednesday. What do you want to see? What do you want to hear about what they're doing on the field? And then what do you want to see come the second preseason game against the Bears? I'm particularly going to be looking for a couple of things. Uh, on the offensive side of the football, I'm going to be looking for rhythm. And we we didn't really we haven't really talked about rhythm. You you talked a lot about smoothness and crispness, which I think is great. You have Case Keenum come out and he is clearly in control. That's a good start. But now the next the next thing that you have to to gain as an offense is is a rhythm. And they didn't get a chance against Minnesota. There was no rhythm for the offense, and that was frustrating. But I also think that goes back to what we talked about about not game planning, not really being prepared for an actual game. And so it was just a glorified practice. They played their two series. They were done. Okay. And the Vikings defense. And the Vikings defense. But if I would like to see them get into some rhythm, get it, you know, get, you know, 10 or 12 scripted plays out there that they can then use to create some flow for the offense that isn't just, okay, we're going to go out, we're going to try these four plays and, and we'll see what happens. That's important. The other thing I'd like to see is. I'm going to pay attention to the, the secondary a little bit. I also felt like there was there were moments where it was obvious that they the defense missed Aqib Tlaib. Now, is that because they didn't have as much, as much disruption without Von Miller on the field? And so you're going to be able to see that as well? Or was it because there are actually some issues in the defensive backfield with guys that just aren't ready to step into those major roles? 
I, that was hard to tell, right? So, so paying attention in practice, trying to understand what's going on there, but then really focusing in the game on looking for some rhythm and then hopefully seeing uh, the defensive backs step up and play a little tougher in coverage. It looked to me like Minnesota's wide receivers, Stephon Diggs, and even Laquan Treadwell, which I know he played with the second team and third team more than anything else, looked like they kind of had their way when they wanted to. I didn't like that. Um, but, you know, again, that may come from not having Von Miller out there, not having your full slate of players available uh, when it comes to putting together a game plan. And then, and then beyond that, obviously, I think just like you talked about, I would like to see Chad Kelly get a, get a chance to really run with the twos and see what happens. That's sort of... That, I'm going to pay attention to that. Are the Broncos giving him a shot with the twos, or have they written him off as the backup, and they're just going to either go get a vet and not worry about it, or they're going to continue to run with Lynch? Because what i really like to hear is that Lynch is not with the team anymore. He's stepped away for family reasons. Uh, he's having some personal issues, and he needs some time with family to work some things out. I think in terms of the struggles on – with the defensive backs and especially with Stefan Diggs, I think, and Dave Logan touched on this uh, when my wife and I were running to get a pizza during the, the first preseason game and Isaac Yadam. Priorities. <laughs> well, absolutely. But I, Isaac Yadam, it, it, I think the toughest thing in pro sports, one of the toughest things in pro sports it's to play defensive back in the NFL as a rookie. And when you go against Stefan Diggs, who is arguably one of the best receivers in football. Absolutely. That is a hell of a test for your first game experience as an NFL defensive back. Welcome to the NFL, rookie. And I think and I and I think for the most part, Yadam did fairly well. I mean, he that especially that touchdown catch, he was still in good coverage. Oh, yeah. No, I, I agree with that. It's and so there, there's 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 stuff there that he can that when he watches the tape, he can tape, build on it. Do they do they watch tape? I don't know because sure it's a it digital recording. It's a, it's not tape. I mean, they got the click. It's not a beach as around. I don't know whatever whatever they do. Is it's fine. a it's a digital recording. They probably all watch it on their little tablets. You know, they got to deal with the Microsoft tablet things, and they do all that stuff. I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. So there's some stuff that he can take. And say, yeah, I could probably do this a little bit better. But it, I mean, it was his first experience, and they didn't have Tremaine Brock. So let's see what happens with that come for the secondary. I think defensively, the big thing I want to see is improvement in the run game. And I, and how much of that was Von Miller and Todd Davis being out? Who knows? But it definitely needs to get better because that was one of the issues last year. Is they gave up big plays in the running game. 10 yards a carry is never a good stat. I don't care if it's the first preseason game or the Super Bowl. That's not a good stat. And especially when the interior line of the Vikings is having issues like it has with injuries. So that'll be the thing that I want to look for defensively. And I, I think Von Miller being on the field will help. I think Todd Davis being on the field will help. And offensively, I'm with you. I want to see them get some rhythm. because And a, and a large part of that goes back to Bill Musgrave. And if and if he's ready, as Vance Joseph says he is, well, we were told. Then he'll have a the plays 
called and the playbook situated that they can get that rhythm. I mean, they're ready. Vance Joseph told us they were ready, so I believe Vance Joseph. <laughs> I don't. I don't. That is that is probably the other thing I will be looking for. It, it Are the players ready? Do they seem ready? Because that was a huge issue last year, and they didn't seem ready against the Vikings to start the preseason. I, and that's the kind of stuff that carries over. That's the mental stuff that carries over. You, you can do all the physical stuff in the world that you want. But there is a mental aspect to sports that people discount, I think, sort of unknowingly discount. You have to be willing to, to be prepared mentally and get yourself ready. They were not prepared mentally last year in almost every single game. And they were not prepared against Minnesota in the first preseason game. That, to me, is a carryover that I certainly didn't want to see. And if I was Vance Joseph, and this is the other thing that I think I'll say to this, if I was Vance Joseph, and I knew I was coaching for my job, which he should be after what happened last season, he should be coaching for his job, I would ensure that even for the first preseason game that didn't matter, that my team looked ready, that my team looked prepared, that they knew what was going on, that they had an idea of what was about to happen. And if you're only going to have the offense on the field for one or two series, you have eight scripted plays. Done. That's two series right there. If that's the way, if, I mean, I'm just saying, you have it ready to go. He didn't. He did not. Will he against the Bears? Will this team mentally look like they're ready to play football? The other thing that I'm looking forward to seeing because in the time that he played, and Ryan Edwards just tweeted this, is Ooh, Josie Jewell. Yeah. As Ryan said, he's going to be a playmaker on this defense for many years to come. Impressive instincts and a solid tackler. I want to see what he looks like the more reps he gets. And hopefully he gets those this week against the Bears in the joint practices and then again in the game against the Bears next Saturday. So I, I think the thing that we need that I want to harpen on here is there's some good, there's some bad. And it's one preseason game. And you're going to find things to to either reaffirm what you already think And you're going to focus on things that either reaffirm that or make you want to or, or, or get you angry, so to speak. And what will be interesting is the adjustments and the continued improvement if we see it, because that's what the preseason is all about. Yeah, that's a that's I think that's exactly right. And we have the opportunity here to really see especially after watching what we watched against Minnesota. The the only direction that the Broncos can really go is up. If if things stay the same, that's not going down. That's that's they're they're on the bottom floor from what from what I can tell. The the first team walked off that field down 14 to nothing. You know, and everything after that was second team and third team and guys that won't be in the league in, in three weeks. 
So the first team offense and defense walked off that field down 14 to nothing. They've already reached the bottom. So that's good. We found the floor. That's nice. We know where the floor is. We're in the basement. The only direction they can really go is up. And if they don't go up, you have to start putting some blame on some people. Some people need to be, to be pointed out. And we've already started doing that. And we know that Vance... I don't think there's people. I think there's one. Person. There's person. There is person that needs to be pointed out. There's one person. Exactly. And it is Vance Joseph. And you can... You could probably roll that into, well, he was hired by and yada, yada, yada. The, the fact is, he's the one who's in charge of getting this team ready. And if he doesn't, and if they're not, it's time to say goodbye. It's time to go find yourself a defensive backs coach position somewhere in college because you don't belong in the NFL. Not that, that a defensive backs coach in college is a bad thing. I'm not. That's not what I'm saying. And that will be the interesting thing to watch over the last, the next three weeks, the next three preseason games. Well, at least two, because the fourth one doesn't really matter. Do, do they even play the fourth one? I, I mean, I don't. Of course they do, because the owners want the paycheck. Sure, they got to get that. They got to get that money, right? They need your ticket stubs. That's what they need. But, but uh, not real ticket stubs. The, the, you know, on your phone stub that you can't frame or save or anything. Sad. One one thing I wanted to to, to mention because it, we're getting close to come this Thursday, the contributors committee will meet in a week. Are they going to get it right? I don't see how they I don't see how they get it wrong. I, I honestly believe that the contributors committee has backed themselves into a corner to the point where they screwed it up so much. They screwed it up so much last year. They can't get it wrong this year. They can't. And they also have the nice little cushion of being able to, to nominate two two people, right? Isn't that they go 2-1-2-1. Two, one, two, one. This year is their two, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, it's two. So if one of them is not Mr. Bolin, if Mr. B is not on his way to Canton after that, burn it down. Burn it to the ground. That's I mean, that's really the only thing you can do because it's just a travesty. And I, I'm cutting all ties with the Pro Football Hall of Fame at that point. And I think with it being two, I think the two will be Gil Brandt and Pat Bowen. And I, I think two years ago is when they royally screwed it up by putting in Jerry Jones. I mean, they of the two choices they had, they went with Jerry Jones and Paul Tagliabue. And and Jerry Jones is the worst. Jerry Jones is absolutely the worst. I just think guy's a he's a terrible human being, but he is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And quite honestly, the only thing he's ever really done for football is anything and everything to benefit himself and only himself. So Which is in complete contrast to Pat Bowen, who he never wanted it to be about him. He always wanted it to be about the Broncos. He didn't want the thing that always stands out to me when I think of Jerry Jones and Pat Bowen. Think of all the times when you watch broadcasts of Cowboys games, how often they show the owner's suite and Jerry Jones. Pat Bowen made it abundantly clear from the time he bought the team until he stepped away from the franchise, he did not want a camera on him over the course of a game. That says everything yeah the only time you saw 
Pat Bolin was when he was on the sidelines at the end of the game in his awesome fur coat looking totally pimpish. So <laughs> it's, it's just a different, I guess it's a different style of human being. One is a, a legitimately uh, genuine good person and the other one is awful. And Jerry Jones is awful. This was my opportunity to just rip on Jerry Jones, I guess. I, I don't know we're going to take it that way. No, I, I think you're right to bring it up. I hope that we are we are discussing a celebration rather than uh, the need to start a riot and burn things down. Or if nothing else, just stop going to the Pro Football Hall of Fame altogether because it's, it's become a, a joke, needless to say. So beyond that, what are, what are we on to? I think we are on to the second preseason game against the Bears and uh, a, a special edition of the Mile High Report radio podcast coming up this week. Can't wait to do that. Um, be sure to check us out on iTunes, rate, review, uh, all those wonderful things. Um, and, and Spotify, Spotify and Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher. We're in a lot of we're in a lot of places. We're very, we're, we're you know we're very very much in a lot of places, um, and and that's cool and that's a testament to how great Broncos country is and just how worldwide it is as well. So uh, we are we are on to preseason game number two. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at MileHighReport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.